Hello, morning all. Um, today's theme is uh, questions that lead to wonder. Um, so I'm going to share the Bible reading now. So the first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 20, 29. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. The next... Uh, I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now the next reading is from Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And now I invite up Peter, and I'll pray for you quickly before you provide us your sermon. So dear Lord, um, pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit today, especially Peter as he shares. Um, thank you for your word, and as we hear your word through Peter, May it move our hearts and may we learn and become more like Jesus. And yeah, um, yeah, may this uh, sermon bless us and bless, um, yeah, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. No How good's that? Good morning. So good to see you. Thank you for entrusting me with an invitation to come and share God's word with you today. And thank you to the leadership team and Paul for the, the pastoral way in which you uh, dealt with the issues that have been dealt with this morning. And uh, Michael, um, the service order of blending everything that's taking place today, you, you are a, a gift, brother. I've only just recently come into contact with this man and uh, he's a wonder. And talking of wonder, Holy Spirit has led me to write another book which has been more time than I would like in the, in the writing through uh, a few issues, uh, but here it is, and it's called The Wonder. It's, it's amazing when you look into Scripture and you see the, 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 the wonder that is the person of Jesus. I'd like you to repeat after me from, from uh, Luke chapter 5, and, and amazement sees them all. And they began to glorify God. And they were filled with awe, saying, We have seen wonderful things today. That's what happens when you encounter Jesus. You see wonderful things. Some people see wonderful things and go, Oh, that's a stretch too far. I don't, I don't want to follow you, Jesus. Other people see wonderful things and go, Jesus, who else would we follow? You know, Jesus related to people in the most engaging way 
that filled them with wonder. Jesus did miracles that the Bible talks about and calls them signs and wonders because they were signs that pointed to Jesus and they were miracles that had people going, hmm, I wonder, how can he do that? How can he still the waves? How can he feed us all from such little? How can, how can a blind man see again? I wonder, maybe he is the Christ of God. Jesus told parables that sometimes confused people, but mostly led them to wonder. Have you ever thought about that, that Jesus told stories that he didn't always explain? And then he gave teachings that were so deep, so rich, so profound, so, so obviously the new covenant and not the old, that people were going, this is, this is just wonderful. And so uh, the Holy Spirit asked me to write about it. Now, this is a discipleship book. To be a disciple simply means to follow Jesus. And we follow Jesus with all we are and with all that we have. But there are a lot of questions about discipleship. I'd like to read to you from the introduction. It says, my, my various roles as a church planter, pastor, equipper and presenter have all shared a common challenge. How do you get people to take responsibility for their own spiritual growth? How do you get them to mature as disciples of Jesus? One answer is you don't simply because you can't get people to do anything. That's not your job. My experience in this area comes as a father and grandfather. That's where you learn it's impossible, undesirable even, to attempt to get people to do things. What if, what if there was a more wonder-filled approach than that? It's the relational example of Jesus who immersed himself in people's lives, exhibited outlandish grace and extraordinary acceptance told stories and riddles, asked questions without always giving the answer, trusted people implicitly and empowered them with the same spirit with which he operated. The wonder. It opens you up to possibilities, leads to pondering and unveils the amazement of life in Jesus and how precious you are to Father God. The wonder. How do you Live a wonder-filled life. One way that I've learned, a little later in life that I would have liked, one way that I've learned is through the question mark rather than the exclamation mark. The exclamation mark shuts things down. It closes the conversation. It shuts the door to future engagement. The question mark leaves it open to further discussion, to an ongoing engagement. There's more to be delved into. There's uh, a greater journey that lies ahead of us. Questions unlock the wonder. Some of you will remember Will Hall and uh, his wife Nikki. They've been doing church planting down in the southern suburbs and uh, a few years ago I was at their place doing some mentoring with Will and uh, we were in one corner of the room and we were engaging and going back and forth and it was even, Nikki was in another section of the place doing her own stuff and, and uh, I just had this thought in the back of my mind, Will, what's the time? And he said, it's quarter past one. And I said, uh, how long is it to the Wollonga Hotel? And he said, about 20 minutes. And I said, I've got to go. Because at 1.30, I was meeting with Jonathan Krause, who was on a flight later that afternoon, so I couldn't be late. And I'd realised I had a 20-minute trip 
and 15 minutes to do it in. And so I just said, we'll, we'll pick this conversation up the next time. Um, I've got to go. But before I go, I've got to go. <laughs> Which way is the bathroom? And Will said, it's out there. So I'm on my way to the bathroom and Nikki, who hadn't been part of that last bit of the conversation, comes in and says, oh, Pete, Pete, I've just got this question for you. Um, you know how I'm pregnant. Well, this morning I woke up and, you know, I just had a, a, little bit of, um, a little bit of bleeding and I thought, what if I lose this baby? And she said, I got so filthily angry at God. She said, I don't just mean angry, I mean really angry at him. And then she looked at me with a smile and goes, Pete, why do I do that? 15 minutes to get to an appointment I'm already late for, for a bloke who's got a plane to catch and I'm busting. And I said, um, Nikki, uh, I'll get back to you after the bathroom. And so I go to the toilet and I'm standing there and I'm thinking, God, what do I do? And I sensed him saying, what you're doing right now? I go, <laughs> and he goes, asking a question because I asked God a question. I, I, I didn't know. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. And so I went out and I said, Nikki, you know, Julie and I often talk about you because whenever we go to parties, whenever we go to functions, you are the consummate question asker. You defer away from yourself and onto other people by asking questions. She goes, oh, thanks, Pete. And I go, well, that's what I'm asking you to do now. You know how you ask me that question? I said, ask the same question, exactly the same question, in the same way of Father God. By yourself, on a walk, at the beach, in the car, but somewhere where you're not distracted, ask him the question and he will answer you. How do I know that? I know that because of the scriptures. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, God says, when you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. I love that. I will let you find me. Doesn't that remind you of playing hide and seek with young kids? They think you can't see them. Well, of course you can see them. We think God's absent. Well, he's, he's, he's there and he says, oh, if that's the way you want to do it, I'll, I'll let you find me. Then in Jeremiah 33, God says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Well, I wasn't feeling overly confident, you know, but I was on my way to the Wollonga Hotel and anyway, six weeks later, I'm having a jog down the Amy Gillett bikeway and I think of Nikki give her a ring, voicemail, she rings back that night, Pete, how are you going? I said, I'm just checking up, Nikki, I, I haven't got back in touch since that day. And she says, oh, Pete, haven't I told you? I said, told me what? And she said, oh, I gave my testimony in church last Sunday. And I said, what about? And she said, well, you know how you asked me to ask God that question? She said, I did. I asked him, why do I always get so filthily angry at you? And it's as if he said to me, as if he said, you know, oh, Nikki, it's because you don't really know me. And she said, well, I got incensed at that. So I said back to him, what do you mean I don't know you? And she said, he said, or I thought he said to me, it's, you think you know me. She, well, how can you think you know someone you know? Well, perhaps you're piggybacking on other people's faith. What do you mean I'm piggybacking on other people's faith? And eventually it got to the word intimacy. And when she shared her testimony that day, she said, I didn't really know that God wants to have a personal, 
intimate relationship where I can ask him questions and he can talk to me. You know, Paul Filkey's preached on prayer this, this year. I preached on prayer this year. And, and both of us would have said the same thing, that prayer's conversing with a God who just loves to engage with us. And Nikki realized she hadn't been engaging with God. She'd been treating him as a commodity. And now God was saying, you can, you can get intimate with me, which means you can talk to me. And, and she said, I had three other ladies come up after the service and said, you just told my story. Can we get together in a small group and uh, journey together? Here's my point. Nikki asked this question, which led to this question, which led to this question, which led to this question, never really getting a direct satisfactory answer to her original question, but each question making the previous question redundant and taking her deeper into the heart and character and goodness and nature of Father God. That's what questions do. They unlock the wonder. You see, God never shuts you down. He's not the voice of your negative parent or grandparent. He's not the voice of a, of a stern or austere coach or, 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 or person in your history who just says, no, no, no. He's the God who says, perhaps, why not? Is it possible? Could you? Let's explore. My latest favorite discipleship word is the word delve, D-E-L-V-E. It's to dig deep, to ponder, to imagine. You know, one sad thing happens in our uh, development, and that is that as kids, we have this beautiful imagination, and then somewhere, someplace in life, someone tells us that ima an imaginary world is wrong. Well, an imaginary world where, um, where you, Mr. Dutchke, are Spider-Man, that is wrong. <laughs> and images of you wearing your underpants outside your trousers don't do much for me. But... Uh, <laughs> A good, healthy imagination, a healthy imagination that delves and that digs and that asks questions is a beautiful thing, and we don't want to kill off our imagination. God created it with us. It's, it's one of the senses. And so to, to delve and to go deep is asking questions. You know, Saul, when he's on his uh, journey from Damascus, he, he gives his testimony three times in the book of Acts. And in the second time he gives his testimony, there are three questions. Firstly, Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I don't for a moment hear him going, Saul, persecutor, what's up, man? Why are you doing this? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is there another way? There are, there's another future, you know? And then Saul responds with two questions. Firstly, who are you, Lord? And that's the foundational question. Without this question, all other questions, uh, we, we don't really know where we're addressing them. And, and I imagine Saul asking it, who are you? Lord? Is it possible that you're Lord? Is it possible that Jesus, the, the one whose followers I've been persecuting, is it possible that you really are the Lord of all? And like, wow, because that's what questions do. Good questions lead to a wow factor. They lead to wonder. And then his second question flows out of that question. What do you want me to do? Many of us have lost a sense of wonder in our Christian journey because we've got those questions back the front. What do you want me to do? Which roster do you want me to serve on? What book of the Bible do you want me to read? How many hours should I pray for a day? 
You mean I've got to do that? Why should I be doing that? And we've lost the sense of wonder because we put our doing before our being. And the, the questions, the gutsy real questions, come out of a sense of being. And there's, there's, there's no question like that that you can't ask toward God. God isn't Google. He's your father. He's not your search engine. He's your papa God. And so we're not just going to him for information. We're going to him for that relational connection. You know, uh, we've got a number of grandchildren. When we were living in Mount Torrens, this year we shifted to Mount Barker, uh, the, the big outing in Mount Torrens is you walk from your house to the post office and then home again. That's a, that's a big outing in Mount Torrens. And, and I was back home and Julie was with our oldest granddaughter who was two or three at the time. And she was taking her to the post office and as you do, you stop at the bridge and she stands on the, on the fence and looks over. And as they're looking down, she sees a, a plastic bag and she goes to Julie, what's that? And Julie goes, oh, that's a plastic bag. That's some rubbish. Someone's put some rubbish there. And Eden stares and stares and stares at the plastic bag and then says to Julie, why would Gramps do that? <laughs> why indeed? You, you know, it's actually a big compliment. Grandma was there. The only other person she knows in this town is Gramps. So it had to be him. And you know, I kind of like that. And God's saying... Ask me. You know, ask, seek, and knock. And it will be given, and you will find, and the door will be opened. That's not saying, here's your wish list, go to God, and you'll get what you want. It's saying, you want to know about my character? Ask me. You want to know about my heart? Ask me. You want to know about how I respond in that situation? Try me out with a question. And you may not get an immediate answer. In fact, the best questions don't come with an immediate answer, and that's why I shared the story of Will and Nikki. They lead to the next question. They lead to the next question. This isn't Google. I want an answer now. This is a father, and I'm going to dig deeper into this relationship. It's about mining my, 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 um, my back cover, or I can't remember, my email letter in describing the book, The Wonder, is that discipleship is, is um, an adventure to be mined rather than just a set of observations, a set of practices to be, to be observed. And so we can dig, we can delve, we can discover. You know, the Psalms are full of people who go, why would Gramps do that? The Psalmist, you know, whatever question you think is too bad to ask God, go to the Psalms and you'll find that someone's already asked it. God, why do the wicked seem to prosper? God, why do bad things happen to good people? God, where are you in this world when it seems to be out of control? You know, maybe after the announcement of this morning, you've got some questions. You can ask them. I mean, there are facts that can't be divulged, but there are heart questions that can be expressed. It's part of a process of grieving, of growing, of maturing, and above all, it's a journey of discovery. In the face of the unexplainable, Cry to God from the heart with all the questions of your mind, knowing that he loves that kind of engagement. So here I am uh, on a flight from Adelaide to Brisbane. I've got my iPad, I've got my journal, I've got a pen. Can't wait for the plane to get up so I can uh, switch my, laptop, my iPad on and, and put it over the back of the seat. Because I am going to journal on all the questions in the Bible. This is about three years ago. I thought, you know, maybe half the flight, then I'll be able to get back to my spy novel. Well, I read most of my spy novel because after about 15 minutes, I gave up. 
I think I'd gotten to, uh, or it was maybe about half an hour ago, I'd, I'd gotten to um, maybe just through the first five books of the Bible and I had three pages full of questions. Now, this is only three years ago. I'd been a pastor for a long, long time, writing, talking, conferences and stuff, and I came to this revelation. The Bible is chock-a-block full of questions. Like, not just one or two, heaps. And not just questions like, um, you know, why did they cross that river and not another one? But deep, rich, heart questions. A couple of my favourite are right at the beginning of the Bible when Adam and Eve turn their back on God and God comes looking for them because as soon as they turn away from God, they hide because that's what, that's what sin does. It, it alienates us. It cuts us off from God and from other humans. It breaks intimacy. It breaks connection. And so Adam and Eve are, hi, are, are hiding. And it's not because God's GPS doesn't work. <laughs> he knows exactly where Adam and Eve are. It's not a geographical question. It's a relational question. And God, to Adam, says, where are you? And again, he doesn't say, where are you? He says, where are you? I know you fear disclosure, but disclosure is exactly what you need right now. Because as you come out of hiding, you'll find that I'm not going to nuke you. You'll find that there is coverage for your sin. You'll find that there is a plan, that there is a redemption plan, that there is restoration, because I'm the God of restoration. In fact, I'm going to send you Jesus, and he's going to bring about a global restoration. That's what happens when God says, where are you? Why are you doing that? How is that pursuit going for you? He's asking to engage and connect and to lead you forward, not to condemn you, not to, con not, not, not to uh, put you down. Uh, another one of my favourite questions is when Jesus comes to Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. Bartimaeus is blind. We still call him blind Bartimaeus, but I call him sighted Bartimaeus. And uh, the whole crowd reject him. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And only Jesus stops, only Jesus engages. And as he engages, he comes up and he says to Bartimaeus, remember he's blind as anything, and Jesus says, what would you want me to do for you? Now, I love that. Because Jesus is all about empowerment. And by asking that question, he's engaging with uh, Bartimaeus and and actually inviting Bartimaeus to be a participant in his own healing. Now, Bartimaeus can't rid himself of blindness. Let's just agree on that. But through asking the question, rather than just laying on her hands and saying, Bartimaeus, be healed in my name. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I want you to discover how things are in the kingdom. I want you to delve a little bit into what's possible with me when I am part of your life. So I've got some favorite questions. And I've printed these uh, in the little article in your weekly news. One of my favorite questions is, Father, what is it about you and your heart and character I'm missing that has me responding this way? And the reason I like that question is because it addresses a question to God who is the solution to my response rather than focusing on the negativity of my behavior. Because what you, mag what, what you focus on, you magnify. You know, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. <laughs> She's just going, how can I be pregnant when I haven't had sexual relations and be about to be the mother of God? I can't work this out. My soul magnifies the Lord. <laughs> I love that. She chooses to magnify the God 
who has made this happen rather than go, how can this be? I can't understand. Joseph, did you sneak in? This is just impossible. I can't work this out. And so when there are things about my behavior that I can't work out, when there are things about my responses, when I find myself being fearful uh, rather than trusting, I go, Father, what is it about you and your heart and character I'm missing that has me responding this way? Julie puts it a little bit differently. She says, what is it about you and your heart that if I knew would have me responding differently? Uh, Another good one is, Father, I know you're with me. What is blocking me from seeing your presence? Uh, Some of you may remember Craig and Taya Jopic. Uh, On Friday, we had a 10-year anniversary celebration for the restoration of Craig's life. He was in ICU for quite some time after a BMX accident. And Taya shared the other night that when she went into the hospital room when it was very touch and go... So myself and some guys would go in the morning and and be with him and pray and Taya would come in the afternoon and she said she just didn't know where Jesus was in this and she found herself uh, spiralling into that that pit of negativity and she went into the the ICU room and she looked around and she says, Jesus, where are you in this room? I love that question. Now, if you feel like asking it, Jesus, where are you in this room? You can, because there's no wrong question. But I love the fact that she's asked that question. It's a question that leads, it's a question of trust that leads to greater trust. Um, When I went through a a bad spot a couple of years ago and, and felt that joy had departed from my life, I asked Jesus, Father, how can my joy in you return? And then when it didn't seem I got an answer to that, one day I said to him, Jesus, I can't see my joy returning. Would you be joy for me when I can't find joy anywhere? And he was. Most of us in our life will ask the why question. And it's okay to ask the why question for a week, a month, a year. If you're still asking it after five years, it may mean that you need some uh, richer help. The why question is great for a period of time. But then we come to the time where we, we allow the why question to be transformed by the Holy Spirit into the what question. If you try and replace it too quickly, you'll be in trouble. (laughs) If you never replace the why question with the what question, you'll be in trouble. So we allow the Holy Spirit, who is also the counsellor and the comforter, to let us know when the why question transfers to the what. There's a a bloke I was with one day and his son is going through some terrible uh, situations with uh, some medical stuff and uh, the father, nodding over his shoulder to where the son was playing, he said, oh, his faith is incredible. He, He goes, he puts me to shame. I looked at the dad and I said, what's another way of saying that? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, in your question, I I heard a little bit of a put down. What about he spurs me on? Or I'm full of admiration for him? Or I'm learning so much from him? And the dad goes, yes, yes, that's what I mean. But you see how through a question, I was able to lead him from negativity to hope, from self-loathing to future Julie was with a lady um, who was stressed and wanted to know why she was suffering like this, if she was a good Christian. Julie's response was something like, you know, 
all of us will have stress from time to time for the rest of our lives. So a healing question might be, what do I do when stress comes? How do I respond to stress? Who or what do I run to? Holy Spirit, help me to see where you are with me in this stress. So it's not only you using questions to engage with Father God, but it's you using questions to keep conversations open and to help people uh, in, a, in a transformation from woe is the world to Jesus is still here, but you don't get preachy, you do it through a question. I mentioned Craig Joppick before, he's got this great question. It used to be said with sarcasm, like, how's that working for you, Pete? But after a while, we actually realised it's, it's a really good question when people say things that are just, you know, you're hearing this person talk about this ridiculous situation, like, you know, I've, I've left the wife, I've robbed the, the, the boss's account and bought a Lamborghini with it, and they're telling you all this kind of stuff with some kind of pride. Craig Jopper goes, well, you know, how's that working for you? I actually like a question that sometimes also exposes... Uh, the intents of someone's heart, but without condemnation or criticism, to go away and actually think. Do you know you can do this? Every single person in this room, oh, you, you don't have to buy my book, to be able to go on a lifestyle of asking questions. But the whole thing about the wonder is that it's something every single person can do. You don't have to go to seminary, that's good, but you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to be ordained, you don't have to be a small group leader, but you and Jesus, getting up in the morning, good morning, Papa, I wonder what you have for me today. Would you show me? Papa, what kind of adventure have we got today to have? I wonder. What a life of engagement. What a wonder. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you come to each one of us and you say with that loving question, where are you? And then Jesus comes and steps up and takes us by the arm and he leads us and he says, Papa, here they are. And you embrace us through the hug of the Holy Spirit, the comforter and the counsellor. Because in your presence, no question is wrong. Each question leads us deeper into your heart. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you to empower us in a lifestyle uh, of question asking. Holy Spirit, we ask that you continue to to work the healing questions of life in us this morning for what we've heard and experienced in this service. Where we're confused and uncertain, let us ask, knowing we'll receive. Let us knock, knowing the door will be opened. Let us seek, knowing that we will find, even as we've been found by you. Amen. As you're able.